0: Uh, we're in a series right now called God Speak, following through the book of Acts. And a lot of the book of Acts follows a couple of guys up to this point named Paul and Barnabas. They've, they've been traveling all throughout. Um, I said this wrong last time I preached, East, East Asia Minor. And uh, they have been preaching about this guy named Jesus. They've been preaching about this Jewish man who led people into a death on a cross and a resurrection. And they've been preaching this and calling it a gospel or the gospel. And there have been people who are not Jewish who have been following um, this message and proclaiming Jesus as their Lord and Messiah. And we come to a point here where they are facing a difficult decision. These two guys, Paul and Barnabas, who have been through a lot of things together for over a year, possibly two years of time, traveling maybe 1,500 miles. Um, They've been attempted to be murdered multiple times. They've traveled across difficult uh, water passages, and uh, they've taken a lot of heat for the message that they've been giving. So these guys have been through a lot together. Uh, you might say they—they they, they probably would call each other brother, not just because they're Christians, but because of because of everything that they've been through. Um, and now, in this passage, uh, we see them come to a, a sharp disagreement, a, a dispute, a conflict, a, uh, something they can't seem to get past. And we come to those things. We we can relate to that. We can't relate to this sort of superhero, supernatural status of Paul and Barnabas, like none of us have probably traveled to several different countries um, on a ship and been stoned to death and and like in baskets and and things like that. Um, But we can relate to getting into a conflict with somebody that we care about or an organization or a group that we care about. And one way or another, we all get to this point in life where a relationship that we're in, if you stay in it long enough, you come to a place of conflict. You come to a place of disagreement. And you've got a decision to make. You've got hard decisions to make within that conflict. A lot of times, we make the same sort of decisions over and over. And sometimes we forget that those conflicts, those disagreements can be opportunities for us to either grow in wisdom in how we handle it, or to flounder in immaturity and stay where we are. And this passage is a passage like that, where I'm hoping that we can look, that we can glean some wisdom and understanding from the imperfect way that Paul and Barnabas and Timothy handle the conflicts in their lives and see if we can't grow into more maturity through conflict. That's the question that I want us to be thinking about this morning, is can you grow in wisdom through conflicts, through disagreements that you have with people that you care about over things that you care about. That's our question for this morning. Let's look back to the text to help guide us as we pursue some answers and maybe some more questions as well. So in verse 36, it says, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So here's the conflict. Um, John Mark, this, this guy who uh, Barnabas is advocating for, he bailed out on him in the middle of something. And so Paul has reason to doubt this guy. But sometimes conflicts aren't that clear for us. Sometimes we blame people for things that really have more to do about ourselves. We live in a blame culture so that whatever's going on in your life, you can find a reason, you can find somebody to blame for that. You can blame Trump, you can blame the Democrats, you can blame the Republicans, you can blame a media outlet, you can blame your church, you can blame your family, You can blame anybody but yourself. And so as we look at these conflicts, I want us to continue to think about, it might seem clear and easy here what's happening with Paul, but how many times do we miss opportunities to grow and we stay immature because we're blaming somebody else for something we need to grow up in? I'll give you an example from my life. It's a little bit, has some similarities with Paul a little bit, because... When I was a teenager, I found myself in a place where I really liked to have a lot of fun and do a lot of crazy and foolish things, and that followed me up until my young adulthood. Until um, I caught religion, (laughs) I came to um, faith in Jesus as an adult, and um, I got really hardcore and really serious with it. And um, I got to the point where, kind of, I didn't really have good work boundaries. And I don't mean like work, getting a paycheck work. I mean like uh, anything you call like Christian work and, and, and charity and, and, um, and ministry and things like that. And um, what I would do is I would dismiss a lot of people in my life. And I had really good reason to do that because they didn't get it. Okay? They, did, they didn't get what I was about, and I didn't have time to explain it to them. So I just kind of moved on from them. So I never really got to the point in those relationships where I could have any kind of meaningful conflict with those people because they didn't get it. And so I found myself in a place that's similar to Paul in that I would look at somebody like John Mark and say, man, he ain't cutting it. He, I, don't, I don't got time for that. I got to move on, man. And I used those kinds of things. I used ministry and not getting it and this important cause that I had Uh, to disregard immaturity in my own life. So there were really important things going on inside of me that needed to be addressed, but because I could not slow down and say, well, Hey, maybe my disregard of this person has something to do with me more than it has to do with them. I missed a lot of opportunities and God still worked in my life. A lot of good was accomplished, but it took me a long time to get to a place of maturity. I had time and time again, I had opportunities over and over that I could have grown, but because I wasn't willing to stop and see, because I wasn't willing to listen well to other people in my life, I never even got to the point where there was a meaningful conflict with so many of those people. So I wonder if you can relate to that at all. I wonder if there's anything that you think is so important about what you have to do that you become dismissive of other people in your life, other relationships. And so you never even get to that point with them. It could, it could be um, a spouse, it could be a partner, it could be a friend, a coworker, or it could be an organization where you just dismiss it because you're so sure and confident about what you need to do and where you're going. And in the process, you miss a valuable opportunity to grow, to mature. Let's take a look back here at the story. Also, by the way, I just got to throw this up here. Um, in the King James Version, I always take a look at the King James Version because sometimes it's really poetic uh, when I'm studying for a sermon. But when Paul, he said to Barnabas in uh, the King James Version, he said unto Barnabas, he said, hey, let's go again and visit our brethren in every city and see how they do. <laughs> I didn't know Paul was hood like that. He's like, let's go see how they do, Barnabas. What's good? What's good, Pamphylia? <laughs> yeah, I got new respect for Paul. I didn't know he was hood like that. So anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the sermon. I just, I, could, I couldn't resist. So let's, let's look back. Let's, let's narrow it down, look at some concrete reasons. Why might Paul have not wanted to take John Mark? So he bailed on him, right? Maybe he wasn't tough enough. Maybe physically he's like, man, I got to go home. I need my mama. This is really hard. There's nobody here to like feed me hot food. And I'm just, I just need to go home and get in my own bed. Right? Maybe that was it. Maybe uh, John Mark actually didn't really totally buy into the mission. Maybe he kind of thought, no, uh, Paul, you keep preaching about like the Gentiles being included on this thing and they don't have to obey the law and stuff, and I just really don't know if I'm down with that. Maybe it was just that Paul thought his mission was, was so important that for whatever reason John Mark couldn't, couldn't make it, that wasn't his concern. That wasn't for him to deal with. And on some level, I really respect Paul for this sort of decision that he made because some of us, are just really indecisive about these things. And some of us run away from these types of conflicts and we get real passive aggressive with it. And instead of addressing something face to face, we just try to go around it in whatever possible way that we can. And we say little comments or we write little comments or we whisper little things under our breath instead of just outright saying, hey, I don't trust you on this. And I know why. It's scary to tell people stuff like that. And some people are really scary to tell things like that. I've been scary to tell for people to say something like that to my face in in the past, and I'm trying to be much less scary in that way. Um, There's a a quote in the bulletin we're going to look at later, but it's by Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou says something to this effect when she says this, and it's on the screen. She says, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. The first time. And I think that's kind of how Paul was operating here. I think he was operating. He's like, I know I know who John Mark is, and he ain't about to mess up another trip of mine. I got to go change the entire world. I don't got time for his little weak boy stuff that he's doing, because you know Paul's hood in this passage. Um, but for Paul, what was not tough about this decision that he was making was, had anything to do with John Mark. What it really had to do with was Barnabas, his boy, his, his brother in blood. And I want us to think about the fact here that Paul was really, really convinced. He was so convinced that this guy who he'd been through everything with and trusted his life to, he was willing to part ways with this guy. And as far as we know, they don't really work together again. as far as we we know from the scriptures that we have, they don't really necessarily work together again after this. And we're going to talk about that more in a moment, but I do want to say this right now, because I don't want this to get lost. Some of us, this is what we need to do more of in our life. We need to say, this person, this organization, this group keeps telling me who they are, and I keep trying to pretend Like they're not telling me all my instincts are screaming to get out of this situation to stop trusting this person with my intimate secrets or my finances or my heart or my time, my money. And we keep trying to convince ourselves because we're so scared of the conflict that they are not who they keep showing us that they are. Is that you this morning? Are you in a type of relationship like that where you just need to pony up like Paul and tell it like it is and suffer the consequences? That might be, for some of us in here, what's keeping us from being able to grow and mature. We say, we cover this up with religiosity. We cover it up and say, well... Jesus is working on them. They need grace in their lives. I need to forgive them. Yes, you do. But forgiving them does not mean staying in a relationship with them where they are not only hurting but harming you on a regular basis. Are you in a relationship like that? Do you need to find the strength to grow up? If you can't do it by yourself, which spoiler, you can't because you already would have done it if you could, then you need to find some friends and some help and get some prayer and some counseling or whatever it is you need to get out of that relationship and say, yep, just like the poet Maya Angelou says, you keep telling me who you are and I'm gonna listen, right? So anyway, Paul wasn't really like in that kind of situation with Barnabas and John Mark, but it's close enough that we needed to talk about that for a second. So Paul... Like I said, he had good reason to mistrust this guy. He had good reason to mistrust John Mark because he bailed on him. But what about Barnabas? What kind of person was Barnabas? What would make him come to the exact opposite conclusion as Paul about this guy? Well, maybe John Mark had changed. Maybe John Mark had proved that he was different than he was before, and Barnabas was able to see that. Barnabas I know from what we get in the scripture was the kind of guy who was supportive of people. That's why he could handle being number two to Paul all the time. Paul's a really big personality, and he wasn't always the nicest or easiest guy to be around. All you got to do is read the epistles to see that. Sometimes he just says something, you're like, Paul, why did you got, why you got to say it like that, man? Oh, yeah, because he's from the streets. He's hood, right? <clears throat> he ain't got time for it. So uh, y'all wouldn't believe it, but I, I caught something again. <laughs> it happens every time I'm about to preach. So one day I'll see y'all healthy up here, from up here. So what kind of guy is this Barnabas guy? Maybe he saw that this guy actually changed, but maybe not. Maybe he was just codependent. And what I mean by that is, guess what? This is something I hadn't told y'all yet about this story. And it's kind of juicy, are you ready? Paul and Barnabas were cousins. I mean, not Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas and John Mark were cousins. So they were family members. If any of y'all are close to your family, then you kind of know what I'm getting at already here. Maybe Barnabas just couldn't see it because they were family. And John Mark was like doing the thing that he's done their whole life. He's like, come on, bro, we're cousins let me go with you, man. And nothing about Barnabas's character or John Mark's character showed that he was a valuable person to take on the mission. And so when Paul saw that and he saw Barnabas, he said, "Mm -mm, no way. I'm not taking that guy. You're so codependent with him. He's just your boy because you're family members. Does that relate to anybody in here? Are you stuck in a cycle with your family? Because you're so scared to hurt or offend somebody in your family and you really, really need to draw a boundary somewhere, but you hadn't been able to yet, and it's keeping you from growing and maturing, people. When those situations are happening in our life, it's keeping us from growing and maturing. And again, don't go run out of here and try to fix everything by yourself. Please don't go out of here and call a family member and say, I'm drawing some boundaries right now, right? Right? And here's what it's gonna look like because you won't know what you're talking about. You'll just be speaking totally out of emotion and all that stuff. You need to get some help. You need to talk to somebody. You need to talk these things out. But that could have been what was going on with Barnabas. He could have had that kind of relationship because Barnabas was an influenceable person. If you're like Barnabas, if you're a supportive person, you also might find yourself wavering on certain things based on who's saying something really loud. I was joking with the, with the band here beforehand. Um, I used to be a high school teacher. And one time the principal got on the announcements and he said, hey, um, I think there was a fight. There'd been a fight or something. And he said, hey, you know, y'all are better than this. And you're all leaders and you all need to lead. And he got off the intercom and I said, all y'all aren't leaders. And so I said to the class, they're like, huh? Huh? Yeah, I say, yeah, I know they tell you that in school and I'm a teacher and I'm supposed to say the same thing, but you're not, you're not all leaders. Most of you, in fact, are followers. So you better be careful who you choose to follow because they're gonna take you one way or another. And that's probably Barnabas would have been sitting in there with that group like, oh yeah, I guess, yeah. Because let's take a look at what Barnabas, what happens with him when Paul is here And he's preaching this gospel and he's saying, we have freedom, like we read from Galatians 5. We have freedom in Christ. We don't have to be bound. We don't have to go through all the ceremony all day, every day in order to constantly try to get God's favor. We already have it through Jesus. And Peter would act like that sometimes. And then other times he wouldn't eat with people called Gentiles. And let's see what happens when when Barnabas sees this going on in Galatians 2 here I'm gonna wait for Ben to get that up for me there we go uh, Cephas that's Peter he's got four names in, in the Bible when Cephas came to Antioch I opposed him to his face this is Paul talking remember I told you he's he Paul likes conflict okay he's we most of us don't but Paul does probably Enneagram 8 okay because he stood condemned which so am I so I'm you know I'm in there so For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. So he's busting Peter out to his face in front of everybody. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that even by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So Barnabas was an influenceable person. He was a supportive person. And you might be that kind of person. And if that's the case, when it comes to conflicts, that might be something that you have to watch out for. That might be something you need to pay attention to in the patterns in your life. Here's here's what I've noticed. That for all of us, there are things that... If you're in relationship with somebody long enough, they'll say this sentence to you. They'll say, why do you always do X, right? In whatever the conflict is. Why do you always yell and then leave? Why do you always get silent, say everything's fine, and then passive-aggressively attack me throughout the house the rest of the day with little things that you move and little things that you do? Why do you always? What's the why do you always for you in your life? What is the every time a conflict comes up, you find yourself doing this thing? That right there is an opportunity for us. That's an opportunity for us to grow, to change, to mature. Uh-oh. My experience in this thing called Christianity, growing up in this thing this thing called Christianity, is especially what we call American evangelicalism, is is there is this um, huge emphasis on grace and forgiveness, which are essential to our faith. They're so important. They're so important. But there's also wisdom and maturity. There's also growth that takes place. So that When we come to this place and we expect to encounter God, what we are here to encounter is a God of wisdom as well. And so I want us to think about this idea right here. And I have this as well on the screen. Um, Actually, two two things here. First, I'm skipping past something, uh, Ben. But this idea that um. Well, do you know what I'm talking about? Can you put that on the screen? It's uh yeah, that's that's the one. This idea that God works through our mistakes and immaturity, but that's not an excuse to make mistakes and be immature. Okay? So, that's really important. Yes, you're forgiven and that as well as important. Before this this whole concept of, 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 of forgiveness with Jesus, death on the cross, penalty for sin, you know what the human race went around spending the majority of their time doing? Trying to make the gods happy. That's what they did. They didn't have time to grow up. They didn't have time to handle relationships better because they were so under condemnation, so worried about the gods gonna punish them and do all these things to them. But we don't gotta worry about that. So guess what? we could spend some more time growing up. How about that? Let's do that, people. Instead of avoiding the conflicts we don't wanna have, instead of falling into that exact same pattern over and over, why do you always do this? How about we try to grow up some? Get wise. And now, the Maya Angelou quote, the way she says it. And Maya Angelou is a woman, uh, she, she died a few years back, A lot of us know her as a poet. Uh, She was a writer, she was a speaker, she was an intellectual. Uh, She never had a college degree from anywhere um, in the traditional route, but she had over 30 something honorary degrees. She did everything from uh, like do transportation for trains, to work as a dancer, to, um, to be a playwright. I mean, this woman did everything. She also had a rough childhood. She was abused by an uncle when she was very young, and she told on him, and he was killed. And she went mute for five years because she felt like her words killed the man, right? So in line of this wisdom and this coming into better understanding about things, she says this, do the best you can until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. For some of us, that's not a message we think is okay necessarily in church. But here's what I know about Jesus. The book of Luke says that he grew in wisdom and stature. He got bigger and he got wiser. Hey, okay? And wisdom is important. And conflict, the conflicts that we come into We have opportunities before us and we're gonna miss a lot of them. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you better handle them all right, but I'm saying you've got opportunities to grow wiser in how you handle those conflicts in front of you. And we've talked about a couple of those ways. There's so much more and you'll need help and I'll need help to continue to grow in this way. So when we look back, we see in verse 39 that they had a sharp dispute over this guy, John Mark, right? Sharp dispute. And uh, I looked looked that up in the Greek, and it basically meant sharp dispute. So I didn't really bother with showing all that up to you. It's used only that time in the whole New Testament, so it's a pretty big deal. Well, they used it in Hebrews, but it was in a totally different context, and I didn't want to mess with that. So... um, so they had a sharp dispute, so it was a big deal, and they split over this. They split. And this is part of where we see this idea that's really important, and it also can make us lazy the idea that God um, that God works through our mistakes. He does. He works through our mistakes, and he works things to the good through our mistakes. But again, that doesn't excuse us from growing up because there's a lot of people, ourselves included, that could benefit from us growing up as well. Let's see another situation here in the text where Paul and Timothy kind of handle things different. So there's some good things that happen out of this. You know, you want to read some commentaries and books, they'll emphasize a lot about how, well, then there's double the missionary work, right? Paul and Barnabas split up. Barnabas goes this way, Paul goes this way. Funny enough, the places where they go, Cyprus, Barnabas, uh, Cilicia, Paul, that's actually where those two guys are from. So they basically had a fight, took their ball, and went home. That was the beginning of their second missionary journey. So not necessarily full maturity happening there for those guys even. Uh, You know, that's speculation, but you know. So They have this sharp dispute, they part, and two missionary journeys start, but then we look at chapter 16 and we see see a new situation emerging where Paul gains a new partner in the ministry. Let's look at that in chapter 16, verse 1 through 3, and it's going to be on the screen there. <clears throat> Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So we go from this situation where Paul refuses to compromise on an issue. He refuses, I'm not going to take John Mark. And then we go to this situation where Paul makes a big compromise. And for him it's a theological compromise, for Timothy it's a physical compromise. It's a pretty serious one. He's got skin in the game. <laughs> just a metaphor, just euphemism. All right, so why was Paul willing to do this here? And what can we learn from that idea as well? This was such a big deal in the ancient world because there wasn't this idea by and large that you could adopt belief in somebody else's God without becoming that type of person, and then following all of their customs and all of their rules and all of their laws. There just really wasn't a lot of precedence for that idea. So you had, you had people that we've seen all along in these journeys called the God-fearers, who they were Gentiles, and they would come to the temple on the outside, and they would, they would partake in worship of the Hebrew God, of the Jewish God, in whom Jesus was a part of that scenario there, right? But then they would go back out and they would worship all their other gods and do all their other stuff. And that all worked out fine until Paul came along and said, these people can be fully in, but they don't have to adopt all of our rules and customs and laws and ways of seeing all of the world. And that was really dangerous for a lot of reasons. One of them was just simply political because there was no difference in this ancient Roman world between political and spiritual. There was nothing like that. We've got all these little divides and all these categories we try to make where sometimes it's spiritual, where, oh, the president is... Uh, represents these values, but then, um, but then, oh, but he's not a pastor, so he doesn't have to follow these values, or whatever it might be. Well, I vote for the, I'm a single issue voter, or, you know, well, work is work, and religion is religion. We divide all these things up. Ancient world wasn't like that. It was all just smashed together, and and it is. We just sort of want to separate it. So, these people then are going to the temple. They're hearing about Jesus. They're believing in this Hebrew God. And Paul's saying, do whatever you want. Be free, but don't worship these other gods anymore. It's a big deal because commerce, politics, money, all those things are caught up in this idea. And so when Paul then takes this guy who's sort of biracial in some kind of way, Timothy, and he has him get circumcised, that says a lot. That's saying, hey, there are these Jewish people who are gonna have trouble with Timothy coming and saying, this gospel is for you all when he's a Jew who hasn't bought in to all of these things. Let me bring it home for you real quick. I know it gets lost in the weeds with all this stuff, and I'm tired of preaching on circumcision. Every time my turn comes up to preach, somebody's getting circumcised or not circumcised, and that's what they keep talking about. So I'm tired of talking about circumcision. Let me break it down to your level. We all have things in our life that we attach to our faith in Jesus and our faith in God, and we think those things are essentials and they are not. We create hindrances for people to find freedom in Christ because we are so unreflective about the conflicts in our life that we become so confident that the way we do things is the way that it should be. And I know this is a uh, becoming an old conversation at Christ City, but it's a continuous thing we will have to deal with. There are parts of us that are so entrenched and entwined in our religion, it's really the opposite of what Paul preached here. Paul preached a message of this. Well, let's, let's look at it on the screen. Galatians three twenty six through 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. That's the first thing he says there. Jew nor Gentile. Neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He is doing something so radical and unknown here that we just constantly throughout history, Christendom being one of the worst uh, perpetrators of this, we just reverse it over and over. We say, no, it's not about that we're all under Jesus and you can maintain your culture and I can maintain mine and my identity. But we say, no, you need to be like me. You need to talk like me. You need to think like me. You need to vote like me or you're not really in. And this is the thing, strangely enough, that Paul makes a compromise on. He makes a compromise and says, Timothy, we we'll go ahead and get you snipped up, man, because we don't want... The, the Jewish believers to get focused on the wrong things. There are important symbols that all of us have that represent who God is to us. And they're symbols. They're like, God is like this. There's a metaphor for God and his strong right arm or this. God is like that. And they're really important to us. And they're also inaccurate. They're hard to really reckon with. And so when we're in conversation, getting back to this idea of God speak here, rather than try to correct other people with the things we've become so sure about, we can listen. We can listen and find out what are the ways you think about God that are important to you. And maybe, in those type of compromises, we can find that Jesus can be the Lord of those things, that we could maybe better encounter who God really is. So to close, we've all got conflicts that we are going to encounter in our relationships. And we need to examine what are the things that we keep doing over and over and ask somebody to tell us about what's, what's that like? What is that like for them? And how can we get guidance on that? How can we grow through that and not just say, oh, well, God forgives and leave it at that. And then we also need to be in a constant process of just examining Why does that thing make us mad about that person and how they do things or the people that I see on the news doing X or those type of things? Because Paul did understand this. It's very important that there are things worth compromising for people to encounter the real God. And if you believe you do not have things that need to be compromised, you will miss out on becoming wise and you will miss out on work that God is doing. So we must reflect. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that uh, this morning that we would leave with some things to question, some questions to ask others in our lives I pray that we would be encouraged to grow and mature in our faith. That we would recognize that that is a a goal that is attainable. Wisdom is a goal that is attainable for us as individuals and us as a congregation. We pray that you, Jesus, would help us attain that goal. In your name we pray, amen.